2: You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought
1: to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com.
0: Hello and welcome to the All-Canadian Division Preview. We have with us today Preston Hodginson for, from um, Copper and Blue, the Edmonton Oilers SB Nation site. Thank you for joining us, Preston. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, you're downtown edmonton and and obviously you're, you're trying to see in who's doing what at practice
1: yeah no for sure um right now we're right in the, the midst of the world junior championships being held in the city um so we got some controversy there some COVID cases coming out so i'm hoping it goes smoothly and uh i can watch the games from my bedroom
0: speaking about uh COVID, speaking about world juniors Anton and I, we have a vested interest. We've just done a preview of, of, of that tournament. And um, there is a certain guy named uh, Filip Broberg that, that is supposed to be leading Sweden or something. Do you know anything about him?
1: Yeah, no, I've heard little bits and pieces. Pretty obscure player. Um, no, obviously, the everyone in Edmonton is super excited to see Broberg being the captain of Team Sweden. Uh, a lot of high hopes for him. He's been showing well. And uh, I believe he's in the Swedish Hockey League right now. Where um, he was before he came to Edmonton. So there's lots of excitement surrounding his his appearance here. Do you think, he, same, will, do yeah. you think he will leave no, no. the
0: team from, from, from out of camp, or will he go back to Sweden?
1: Um, I'm I'm. If I were a betting man, I would say he goes back to Sweden. Um, he's a very promising prospect, and he has shown well the past year. But I think that with Ken Holland and how he usually handles prospects, they're going to give him as much time as possible to develop.
2: Uh, if you compare, uh, obviously you have Dylan Holloway, who will play for Canada as well, your most recent first-round pick. Um, who do you have higher expectations for going forward?
1: That's a hard one. Now, Holloway, I um, I, ha- I know a little bit about him. I did a lot of research on him after the Oilers drafted him, and in the days leading up to the draft, he was one of the players I certainly thought would be a good pick at, uh, I believe, pick 14. Um, right now I would say there's higher hopes for Philip Broberg he was kind of a stretch pick for a lot of people in the 2019 draft and it was a surprising uh, pick for the Oilers certainly because we thought we had uh, enough defensive prospects and not enough offensive prospects but I think Broberg has really shown in that year since being drafted that he's a force to be reckoned with and someone who can make a pretty big impact at the NHL level if he develops uh, uh, as expected so I think we have a lot of high hopes around Philip Broberg right now. That could change from a year from now with Dylan Holloway. Um, but right now, Broberg is uh, among the players we're most excited about here at Edmonton. Well, he was and, drafted more and, or less as a forward anyway.
2: Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. say, he's more of an offensive prospect anyway.
1: So Yeah, it's going to be weird. Um, Edmonton for a long time has struggled to have like uh, some power play defensemen, some offensive defensemen. And now we have Evan Bouchard and Philip Broberg coming up on the right and left side. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how he fits into the roster in the years to come.
0: And it's 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 a it's an interesting roster that um, Edmonton has obviously carried a lot with with McDavid. Um, and um, is it too much of a one-man show? You think?
1: Well, I, I don't think it's a one-man show anymore. I think we gotta, uh, categorize it as a two-man show, especially with Leon Draisaitl leading the league in points getting the Art Ross and then the Hart Trophy to boot. So uh, those two were huge for the team, obviously. Um, the thing that bothered me personally, um, I think a lot of fans here in Edmonton, is that we didn't have a lot of depth store- scoring. So it was, if, if one of those guys weren't performing, it was almost certainly going to be a loss or a very, very tight win. So coming up into this season, we're hoping some of the additions uh, gives those guys a bit of help up front. Is it a well, factor of have, outscoring
0: James. the opponent, or, or, or are you playing a, a structured game of hockey?
1: Well, um, I think throughout the season, the, the team was actually pretty structured. It actually surprised me with the likes of, on our, our back end with Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones coming up and playing some extended time. They actually uh, helped stabilize the defensive end quite a bit. That kind of derailed in the playoffs, and you really saw our weaknesses on the defense. Um, so... Yeah, the hope going forward is that we play a more structured game. But you know, we do have a young blue line and some uh, the guys like Darnell Nurse who are who are getting up there in age, but um, still need to refine some of their games in the defensive zone.
2: I was just going to say, like, if you're looking for secondary scoring, you still have three more years on the James Neal deal. So hopefully you will get something good out of that. I mean, he rebounds with 19 goals last year. Uh, Do you think that he can keep it up? He's 33 now, going on 34.
1: Yeah, no, I really like that deal. Uh, I know a lot of Flames fans will tell tell you the opposite, that uh, Milan Lucic was the the winner of that deal. But the way I see it, the stats don't lie, 19 goals for James Neal would have been a 20-goal season if not for covid um, I don't believe he will be in the top six this year. I certainly don't uh, hope he isn't. Um, but he's a, he's a great uh, a bottom six guy. Um, I don't know if he'll quite get that uh, 19 goals. He was helped a lot by that power play time he had. But yeah, hopefully I have high hopes for him as well.
0: Starting from the back end, really. Um, the goalie situation, we don't know what it will be with the taxi squads and, and whatnot. And when AHL is starting and, and etc., but how does the goalie situation look for, for Edmonton Oilers?
1: Uh, it's a very uh, contentious uh, position for the Oilers right now. Of course, uh, they did that controversial move in bringing back Mike Smith, a move that not a lot of people agreed with, me included. Um, Smith, just he's getting too old to be in the NHL now to be a reliable uh, goalie, and I understand that he might be in that backup position but the way I see it, it's uh, he's a liability on the ice. He plays to the puck, and when he can play it, it is nice. But more often than not, he plays uh, plays the puck right into the opponent's hands, and it, it comes back to bite him. So it's going to be a very difficult season for the goalies, especially in a Canadian division that has some high-flying offense from uh, Toronto and Winnipeg and, and guys like Matthews and Laine and stuff. Um, Mikko Koskinen uh, was actually a guy who surprised me last year. Uh, I think he should have been the starter for the majority of the year. He had, I think, I, I believe, a, 9 point, a 0.918 save percentage, so it was pretty decent. Um, so I think he'll be a suitable starter. Smith in the backup role is really not ideal, um, but with taxi squads, I could see a- Anton Forsberg um, potentially coming in and taking that spot from Smith.
2: Yeah, it's interesting what you say, because Mikko Koskinen deal, the 4.5 million, I think it was over three years, was really Peter Cherelli's last big move, because before he eventually got canned, and I remember when he signed that deal, and I just thought, like, this is classic Cherelli, but maybe this was actually something where he saw a bit of potential and actually did a good move in the end.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I believe that deal happened like a day before he got fired. So I don't, I, the, the Oilers <laughs> tried to, they tried to spin it saying, oh, it was us who did it, not Shirelli, but it it did have the hallmarks of a classic uh, Shirelli overpayment. Um, I still don't think it's a good deal, honestly. Seeing some of the guys signed um, over the summer, you got guys like Thomas Grice, who I'm really high on, um, who signed deals that I think were cheaper than that. And Koskinen at the time of that deal was only like one season like less than a season into the NHL after being removed for so many years. Um so still not a great deal but he does show some potential to live up to it. So that's, that's encouraging.
2: You think that he 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 like that it could work with Mike Smith and Michael Koskinen in a 1 1A one 1B one punch kind of like the Islanders did with Varlamov Grice or Lander and Grice?
1: Um, I think last year last year was it worked out. It uh, for the regular season Mike Smith was more good than bad. But I just I can't see that continuing for another season. And it's a very risky bet to say that they're 1A, 1B. I think this season's going to be more of a, a defined uh, role for both the goal, goaltenders. I think Mikel Koskinen will take that starter role and play the majority of the games with uh, Mike Smith uh, subbing in every once in a while. And hey, if Mike Smith struggles early on, I, I said it before, I would not count out Anton Forsberg, who Holland brought in last summer, as taking that backup job. I don't think that will be. Uh, I don't think that's a tall order to expect Forsberg to come in and solidify himself as a backup this season.
0: Do you think the taxi squad benefits? You know, these kind of weak areas for different teams within each division. Really, not only the Canadian
1: one. Oh, for sure. Um, for the Oilers, it's definitely in the goaltenders, like I mentioned. Um, but you can also get guys on the back end um, for the defense. And even up up front on the forward uh, position with guys like Raphael Lavoy maybe coming in and playing a game or two um, as a rookie. Um, with Evan Bouchard on the back end, he's set to make the team. Um, and if he doesn't make it out of camp, you can bet that he'll be on that taxi squad. So I think it gives the team a lot of different options moving forward to subbing guys in and out when when someone's struggling. And I think it with the the youth that the Oilers have coming, it it creates a lot of possibilities and opportunities for these guys.
0: Defensive wise, everyone. Of course, you know I grew up in the '80s with with a certain Edmonton team that was reliant on on scoring. This teams is reliant on scoring in in many ways. But how is the defense when you look at it this year?
1: Yeah, the big story on the defense this year, other than Broberg and uh, Bouchard, is definitely the Whalers losing Oscar Clefbaum. He's a guy that the team has relied on as their number one defender for years now. And uh, a guy I really like, if I were to uh, pin my favorite player, I think Oscar Klefbom would be that player. He's just a really reliable guy who's just had some terrible, terrible luck with injuries. I know a few years ago he had a staph infection on his foot that almost cost him his foot, actually. It was uh, quite scary. Uh, he was luckily able to come back to that, and we saw him at his peak during that 2017 playoff run where he was absolutely fantastic for the Oilers, um, scoring a big goal in that uh, first-round series against the San Jose Sharks with a cannon of a, a slap shot. And then now this season, he's going to miss um, the majority of the season anyway with uh, arthritis of the shoulder. So it's, it's going to be a big loss, and you've got to hope that guys like Darnell Nurse, uh, Adam Larson, uh, Ethan Bear, and Caleb Jones are able to shoulder that absence. And um, I think Ethan Bear is capable of it, but it's going to be a tall order nonetheless.
2: I was gonna ask, um you obviously uh Ken Holland brought in Tyson Barry on a one year deal at three point seven five million. Um do you think that he can he can shoulder some of the responsibilities of Clef Boom while he's out?
1: Um yeah, I think he will be more of a offensive uh a force. Like I, I have high hopes for I have been saying high hopes for a lot of players, but I'm optimistic when it comes to the oilers. Um Tyson Barry will come into the team the league's number one power play and hopefully Um, just bolster it even more he had a a terrible year in Toronto and he came into Edmonton for that opportunity on the power play so I'm hoping that he can shoulder the offensive uh uh output that will be gone with Clefbaum's absence I'm not too sure about his defensive game though um he he's not a great defensive defenseman so I'm I'm worried about his play in the defensive zone because the team is already uh just very poor in their own end
2: Get ready for that since you have Philip Broberg coming in.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you, should, you should see, you
0: should watch or, or at least listen to to some of the games with Broberg as we mentioned him over and over again, obviously. But uh, you see the whole Galeftio AIK uh, bench just standing going like, go, go, go. We don't care what happens, just go. <laughs> 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 no, he's sure.
1: an exciting player.
0: He is, he is. And, and obviously, uh, I remember seeing... Uh, Eric Carlson at, at the top of his career, and I asked a coach he could play forward, and he was like, yeah, definitely, no problem. So, so you know, you might have that option with Broberg down the line as well. Not saying that he's oh, yeah. an Eric Carlson, but he reminds me a lot about Eric Carlson.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Well, like I said, with the amount of defensemen coming up uh, in, in the Edmonton Oilers system, I could see a possibility of Broberg possibly being moved to the wing or something, like <laughs> he's a speedy, guy who's got some size to him he could be a really force a a big force in the offensive end
0: is but looking at that is there a chance for Broberg? i mean like looking at the taxi squad you, you mentioned that you know development in edmonton hasn't really been profound the last couple of years but could you see them putting him on the taxi squad or do you think they they will want him to to play as much as he can in an shl with up to 20 25 minutes a game
1: yeah um well, I know for a fact that when training camp opened for the playoffs this past summer, he impressed a lot of people within the Oilers organization. And there was, I think he did stick around for a portion of the playoffs. So if he comes in and he does that and he outperforms guys like Chris Russell, who I don't think it's not that hard to outperform a guy like Chris <laughs> Russell. Um, so if he can do that and, and the team is impressed. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, if he looks capable at the NHL level, why not give him some experience um, it's already a weird year as it is. It couldn't hurt giving them like a game or two in the NHL. It's also
0: a short season because there are mm-hmm. less games. So it might, and it's less travel as well because you're most likely looking to, to have home and home games uh, in a way, like you're playing two or three games on a trot in one city and then move on. Uh, that might help young player play up to their skill level as well rather than, you know, the constant travel and the grind that is the NHL.
1: Yeah, for sure, and and you have to you have to take into account that the you have to get a guy like Broberg adjusted to the NHL game and the NHL ice, right? Over in Sweden, he's playing on uh, international ice, so the faster you can get him acclimated to the game here in North America, the better, right? Yeah, and now I, now I'm going, just going to toss it to you, like I always do with when that's brought
0: up. We usually send the North American players down to play Polish hockey for three seasons just to get acclimated to the Olympic-sized rink, either as well. So I think it's a bigger ma- bigger thing than than many things. If you're a smart hockey player, you will adjust over a couple of months and and it would be fine. Um but but yeah, and obviously he's playing a tournament on on NHL size rink crowd.
1: Yeah, for uh with the with this tournament, I think it's going to be uh, extra important for a guy like Broberg because he's right here in Edmonton with the team that drafted him and he's going to have all the Oilers Scouts looking at him, the management looking at him. he's going to be under a microscope here. and if oh, he performs also the well,, fans here,
0: and, and obviously the Espioation the riders. briders.
1: Mm, for sure, yeah, I'm going to be paying uh, very close attention. I'm, I'm planning on doing some postgame coverage with a special focus on how Broberg plays um, with Team Sweden. If he comes in and he performs really well, and he's one of the tournament's best defensemen, that's only going to help him um, help his case in making the taxi squad this season. Looking I was
2: it yeah, I was just gonna ask you about a guy like you were talking about Chris Russell and um, he still has two years left on his four million uh,
1: four no, million. He has, in, uh, he has one, yeah. one year. This is his final year on that. It is because it's yeah, just. Yeah, and then they re signed him, I think, for, uh, they signed him to a cheaper deal for expansion purposes, I believe.
2: Oh, that's, you know, much better. I was going to ask if he could be a cap casualty for this summer, but I mean, that's great that you only have one year left on that deal because it hasn't really, it hasn't really brought back that much for, for the Oilers, obviously.
1: No, that's, uh, another example of Peter Shrelly, um, doing Peter Shreley things. We <laughs> traded Jordan Eberle for that deal. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. You traded a few, uh, Core pieces, really, in 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 different deals. Adam Larson, obviously, which is one of the least spoken about deals of that day.
1: Yeah, yeah, you don't hear about the Taylor Hall deal anymore here in Edmonton. Uh, no, that's a that's a daily. I feel like people bring that up daily still. Um, I still don't like the deal, but you know, Adam Larson. At least he came in and he provided a. He's a useful player for the Oilers. Still, he's a he's a steady top four guy. Um, he struggled last season and the season before, so he's coming off a few bleh seasons, but uh, there's always hope that he can uh, come back and be that defensive stalwart that we all know him to be. In four-team mm.
0: Sweden, Anton and I have just uh, said uh, we call them the dynamic duo, the terrible twosome, the twisted sisters more or less, but no, it's not twisted sisters, but, but they are <laughs> equally loud when it comes to hockey uh, because um, Holtz and Raymond... Are obviously the focal point for the Swedish offense, but you have Dreisaitl and and uh, McDavid on your team as well. So, are they? Uh, will they continue? Can Dreisaitl live up to that hype? Can McDavid uh, maybe get the number one spot back?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I think um, if you ask anyone here in Edmonton, it's it's McDavid. McDavid's still the number one guy here. Um, Dreisaitl is just uh icing on the cake right um we didn't expect him to be as good as he was and especially this past season they were able to split up the two so they could uh, center their own line so it's a good one-two punch up front um and you gotta give a lot of credit to a guy like kyler yamamoto who came up in i believe december or january of last season and really just invigorated that second line with them um, dry and nugent hopkins they're they were just unbelievable together and a big reason of, of why um uh Drysidal is able to take home the Art Ross and the the Heart Trophy. So um yeah, I, I'm hoping that they can keep it up. Uh, McDavid, I think there's no doubt that he's going to continue to be McDavid and one of the best players in the league. Drysidel, I know for the past few seasons, there was a lot of doubt when he scored had that fifty goal season, a lot of people were like, this is the high mark, the watermark of uh of Dreisaitl's career he will not do any better and then he came back and he had even more points and was on pace for another 50 goal season so I think he's really proven himself to be one of the elite players in the NHL and um, I don't think anyone should really doubt that anymore he's done two seasons in a row he's still young nothing has changed if anything he's only going to get better with his with age and training and whatnot.
0: Will the extended uh, break have helped these two guys to heal up? Or if there's been any nagging injuries, obviously, I don't know that. But but will it help them to to maybe come in and and perform at an even higher level?
1: Yeah, I don't believe there were any injuries to uh, either of them. I could be wrong. Uh, Obviously, McDavid had that uh, uh, amazing recovery with his leg uh, just a a year or two ago. Um, So... Um, would be helpful no matter what. They could be completely healthy, but rest is good um, no matter the situation. So, yeah, I think this extended rest and extended training will give them uh, a little bit of a leg up on the competition.
2: We know that uh, Edmonton Sile, the Kyle Turris. Uh, to a two year deal. Um, and uh, we know that he had a terrible stint in Nashville. It really didn't work out for him there, but we know what he has shown in the past, especially in Ottawa. And I'm just wondering, do you think that that can help uh, guys like uh, Dryside Alemic David as well to know that they have a capable uh, experienced third line center now who can come in and hopefully you know put up uh, put up you know thirty points or something and just provide even more stability for the bottom six?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I believe last year our, our third-line center for most of the season was Riley Shahan, who performed all right. He's more of a fourth-line guy, but in exactly. a third-line role. Um, and he didn't put up many points. So having a guy like Kyle Terz come in, who has been struggling, but even during those struggles, he has been putting up a decent amount of points for a third-line center. So I think if he can come in and uh, center a third line with a guy like Tyler Ennis and Josh Archibald, two very feisty, fast guys, I think that could work really well. It'll, it'll create... Uh, hopefully, the hope is that Tours will come in and solidify that third line as kind of a third line scoring line. So hopefully that happens also, uh, but it's a good deal,
2: yeah, also. like I mean, I think the the problem with Tours in Nashville was always the price tag. I mean, that he had a, a salary of six million was always like put against him uh, so that when he didn't perform at that top level, then they had to bring in other centers and everything. Here is very clear that he's going to be the third guy.
1: And, yeah, I and, and i think that, that will help him better
2: yeah exactly
1: yeah it takes a lot of pressure off the player um he no longer has that big price tag on him he has uh reduced expectations and i think that'll just help him play the game that he's supposed to play instead of trying to do more to try to live up to that price tag right so mm-hmm. that's the hope um that he comes in and provides a really good presence on that third line
0: do you have any of the youngsters that you might want to highlight that can't take a roster spot or, or be part of the taxi squad or that are exciting that might be called up due to injuries during the, the, the shortened season. Pull
1: sure. year. There's a guy that we should be talking about. I'm having a lot of, uh, I have a lot of hope for him. I've been, I've been a proponent of the Puliarvi RV on the first line move. I know he's a young player. I know it hasn't worked out at the NHL level, but this is a guy that could perform with a good, Centerman. He's not a guy who can toe his own line. You need to put him on the line, a line with a centerman who can get on the puck. And Connor McDavid's exactly that type of player. And he's and has got a shot that can scare some goalies. So I know he's young. I know it hasn't worked so far. But give him some extended time with McDavid, see what he can do, and then make the decision. Because I don't believe the strategy of playing him on the third and fourth line and expecting him to produce is a working strategy because he's not supposed to be a guy who tows his own line. He's supposed to be a guy who supports and complements a good player.
0: Did Edmonton screw up that development, and oh, what could yeah, they have for- done differently if you, if you look back on it?
1: Um, they could have done a lot more differently. Um, for for one, I believe uh, Todd McClellan would give McDavid or give up like half a game with McDavid, and if nothing happened, he was banished to the third and fourth line. It just wasn't fair. You got you got guys like Zach Cassian who, yeah, they performed well with McDavid, but it's just so obvious that he can perform, that Cassian is a bottom six player. So I don't understand why they give a guy like Cassian more rope to play with on that first line than a guy than a skilled player like Pugliarvi. And I think that really screwed his confidence around. He was constantly demoted. He was constantly put left out of the lineup for lesser players. It just, it made no sense. It destroyed his confidence. And I didn't blame him for wanting a change of scenery because he didn't know what he was here in Edmonton. It was kind of similar to the Yakupov situation where I, I wholeheartedly believe Yakupov could have been a good NHL player if they didn't screw around with him because he had a fantastic rookie season and then they banished him to the fourth line, third line, and he didn't do anything because he wasn't supposed to be there. So, um, yeah.
0: I, I remember Poli for, RV for his World Junior Championships and and even after, he did some um, interviews in Finnish and had one of his uh, teammates translate the questions um, would it have been smarter maybe to leave him, even if he's a very high pick in, in Finland for another year, make sure he gets that English confidence, have him study English extra, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in order to also start the the process of ge- giving him that extra leeway, of giving him that extra understanding, because it is tough for an 18-year-old to, to move across the world.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think he just felt pretty... Pretty alone here. He kept getting demoted. He kept getting banished to the the press box, and he didn't he could barely speak English. And he was constantly bombarded by reporters. it was it was hard. It was a hard situation for an eighteen year old. And I know for a lot of people, we look at hockey players as not being almost superhuman, right? that can that can handle this stuff. But the fact of the matter is he is just an eighteen year old kid when he came over. And I think his feelings were completely valid. He was kind of isolated, alone in a new environment. And um, he wasn't being treated well with his development. So um, I definitely think they should have left him over for a year and kind of had contact with him saying, "Okay, this is what you got to do in this year. Just brush up on your English, get some more confidence and then we'll bring you over. And they should have done a more slow, slow path instead of trying to rush him over here like the team has done with so many prospects over the past decade.
2: I think the problem was as well that he was always being compared to Liney because they always had. I mean, it was always a one-two punch, right, with Liney and and Pugliari and they were expected to go two and three. Um, and then when he fell to four, like Edmonton, I don't think they had a really a plan for Puliyevi being there at four. And when he was, it was just like, oh, he's obviously as good as Liney. We know that. Like he was considered to to go up there as well. So we just have to bring him over, and just we need a winger for McDavid, right? Um, and not considering like you know to just take it slow it kind of reminds me of when Montreal just rushed in Alex Galchenyuk back in the day when he was drafted in 2012 just because they needed a center they needed a center right now and um, it obviously didn't work out uh, very well in the long run so hope uh, I just hope that Edmonton and the organization now with Ken Holland and everything has learned from previous uh, management's mistake with uh, Pugliarvi.
1: Yeah no I have a lot of faith in um, uh, Ken Holland to do the right thing when it comes to prospects. He has proven time and time again that he, has, he runs a pretty good development team and uh, he has a clear idea of when players are ready to, to come into the NHL. So I'm hoping that um, that helps Pugliarvi along the way this season. Uh, as for uh, Dave Tippett, um, he's made some questionable moves. He, he's uh, followed in the footsteps of Todd McClellan and previous weather coaches of trying to pair McDavid with a tough guy for some reason Al la the 80 Oilers with Gretzky and Semenko uh now it's McDavid and Cassian so I, I'm not too big of a fan on that I am a believer of you play skill with skill especially in today's uh day and age where the enforcer role is kind of uh, almost non-existent or fading out pretty quickly so I'm hoping uh Tippett gives Puliarvi that time and that uh that opportunity to adjust on a on a scoring line with McDavid. The team is in no position to be picky. They don't have many options for a, a winger on McDavid's line. It's really just been uh, Zach Cassian and sometimes Josh Archibald, which both aren't top line players. Whereas Puliari has the potential and the skill to be that. So I hope mm. and pray that they they actually give him some extended time to to click up there.
0: He's a 0.75, um, per game player in, in Liga this season. Last season, he was even better if I remember correctly, but, but what sort of, you know, playing with, uh, yeah, he was a point per game uh, last year. Um, what is realistic to, to, to consider him if he gets to play with either, either of the top two line, really?
1: Um, that's a hard one. Um, so the hope is that he can produce um, some points with McDavid. Obviously, it's a 56-game season, so I would peg some realistic expectations with this going to be his first real full season with the team. Hopefully, anyways, um, I'd probably peg that number around 25 to 30, 40 points. Like in there, you're you're really hoping. Um, obviously, the 30 to 40 is pretty optimistic. But at least 25 points, I think, would be considered a rather successful season.
0: So you mentioned Yamamoto before uh, with Seidel. Who else do you have playing on that second line?
1: Um, this year is going to be Dominic Cahoon, um, uh mm-hmm. childhood uh, line mate. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, uh, link together this season. I love the contract they got him to. I believe it's uh, below $1 million for one year. It's It's a fantastic value deal. Um, and uh, I'm surprised that he wasn't able to get more. He's been a guy who's who scores, and uh, I believe last year in Buffalo, uh, he had, like, five points in, like, ten games. Like, it's something like that. I, those numbers are probably not right, but uh, he can score, and I, yeah, yeah. I don't understand. Four and six, actually. Four and yeah, six. So, so some pretty good points, um, point-per-game player almost, mm. um, in Buffalo in that short amount of time. I'm surprised that they let him go. Um, But I think he fits perfectly on that line with Dreisaitl. There's already that chemistry they've established um, from their years playing in the Dell League in Germany. So um, I have high hopes for him as well. I think it's going to be, I think our top six is as strong as it's ever been.
2: Do you think that Dave Tippett is the right guy to be there at the, like at the wheel? Or do you think that there is, you know, there is some fire burning beneath his feet?
1: Ah, that's a hard one. Because there's times last season where I'm like, okay, Dave Tippett's system obviously working. The team is battling for the division. And then there are stretches where it's like, who does does this guy really know what he's doing? Um, one of the things that concerned me was that he almost had like this weird loyalty to Mike Smith where he started him after like Mike Smith would have a terrible game and, and Tippett would go back and be like, okay, well, you're going to redeem yourself this next game. Whereas when Koskinen had a bad game, you wouldn't see Koskinen for like the next five games. So I think his, uh, his loyalty to Smith is a pretty strange one. Um, I think he is an old school coach that likes to play uh, some character players in the top six, which I don't necessarily agree with. with and I mentioned that with his uh, affinity to put uh, uh, Cassian on that top line. So I'm hoping things change a little bit. Overall, I think he is a good coach. It's just going to come down to those key issues to see if he can adjust to a modern modern style of play.
0: It's even more important when you consider the opponents in in this year's um, Canadian Canadian division. Uh, we we look at Toronto. We look at um, as you mentioned uh, Calgary. You mentioned Winnipeg. You mentioned uh, or you didn't mention. Uh, Peterson and 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 Vancouver and obviously Montreal mm-hmm. has beefed up their their top six as well this the, for this season and rumor has it when we're recording this that uh, Montreal might not even be done if Bergevin wants he he can he can get another player in according to um uh, to Friedman tw- yeah Friedman on Twitter so mm-hmm. so this is you know that it, it almost seems like a the Cold War again everyone is just. Buying things, putting up things, and and scaring other teams with it, it's important to get. Obviously, even even more important, really, to get a good start this year. And and who is that guy? You can see that. Not that it might happen, but if Tippett gets fired, who would you want to see replace him? And is there an option to replace him really within the within the club?
1: Um, I think. Um... Within the club, I think Glenn Gulutzon has uh, has uh, shown quite a bit of promise. Um, I know he's had stints in uh, Vancouver and or was it yeah Vancouver, Dallas, and Calgary before coming to Edmonton. Um, he didn't really perform all that well as a head coach in Calgary, but he's really overhauled the team's uh, special teams. Um, so I think that could be a potential a replacement if Tippett gets fired. I don't think that's a possibility this season. I think if they would just miss the playoffs, he's gonna get the benefit of the doubt. He did lead the team to quite an impressive uh, finish last year. So um yeah I think for an internal option it would be Galdson would be the first choice. Um external that's pretty hard. I'll have to I'd have to have a list of coaches available. I can't really think of them off the top of my head. Bruce Badr, um, maybe? Yeah maybe. Um yeah. I'm I've never been the biggest fan of his uh his uh, outward personality, but he's a possibility. Um, uh, but if they, if they do decide that, I say they, they, they go with a more modern style of coach, um, that has an emphasis, emphasis on offense. Um, cause they have the tools to be a great offensive team. If they're, if they're coached right, um, but they got to stay away from guys that are that are old school. Like Mike Babcock and and, and guys like that should just be blacklisted. I don't want it. them anywhere near the team.
2: Ken Holland and Mike Babcock has a good relationship. You might... Uh,
1: you know. Scary, I don't like that. Um, that, that worried You're giving Preston
0: nightmares for, for about a week now, i Yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, that scared that, that that red wing connection scared me with uh with the goalie market this year i thought for sure that we we're gonna sign jimmy howard i was so scared of that but well, then you well, signed
2: mike smith to an extension yeah. well. so then you were happy again
1: oh yeah i was overjoyed for that right <laughs>
0: but but uh going forward we'll take a look into the season you, you trade trade deadline approaches uh you're there, you, you can make a push. It, it will be extremely important. We know for a fact this year that there will be a Canadian team in the semifinal. Uh, yes. So, so, so we know that for sure. Uh, so, so there might be all to gamble here. What kind of prospects do you have to give up for, for that player, e- even either for a, a loan uh, in, in a way uh, or someone that you could keep on the team for, for a little bit of time?
1: um So, for what we have to offer, like if, if they would just go to the trade deadline and they're sellers, it's been a failure, a complete, utter failure of a season. So, I'm expecting the team to be buyers at the deadline, especially in the Canadian division. I think they're one of the stronger teams. I don't know necessarily if they'll take the division. That's pretty uh, up, up for grabs from a lot of teams, but I think they will make that cut to make the playoffs to be buyers at the deadline. Um, for what they have to offer, when it comes to prospects, I know this past summer um, a lot of people were floating the idea of Evan Bouchard being available, especially when it comes to Oliver Ekman Larson. Um, I wouldn't do that if I were them. I think uh, Evan Bouchard has really high potential to be a high scoring defenseman in this league. Um, I think a few models have him at like what, 89% chance of being an NHL star or something like that. Um, so I re- I'm really high on Bouchard. Uh, equally is so, that same goes for Broberg. I think those are, some, those are two guys the team has to keep, and I would label them as near untouchable unless they get an, an offer that absolutely blows, blows the team away. Um, a guy like Dmitry Samarukov is someone I think could potentially be on the move. He has been playing in the KHL this past season, so he's playing professionally, and he has played the last uh, season or so in the AHL. He's a guy I think could get lost in a shuffle down the line. So I think he could be a good prospect to get to, to ship off to improve the team. Um, then you got guys like Tyler Benson, Ryan McLeod, Raphael Lavoie. Um, out of those three forward prospects, I think Lavoy has the least amount of uh, chance of being traded. I think he's shown really well in the, the Al- Alve- Alvekistan League. I, I don't know if I'm saying that.
2: yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. He's been shown. He's been He's been showing pretty well in that league. So he's a guy that uh, I don't think the team should trade either. But, you know, Tyler Benson, he's been kind of toiling between that NHL, AHL level. So I think he could be another guy the team could look to trade. So I think those are the two big prospect trade trips uh, the team has with Samarukov and Benson. And then obviously, if, if the team really wants to, to make a big move, they could move their, their first round pick in the upcoming draft.
2: No, it's just, uh, it's interesting to to watch just um, with the, the Edmontons Him kind of, I mean, you you want to get as much as possible now that you know that both Dreisaitl and, and McDavid are are at the, hope, hopefully, the top of their game. And I'm just wondering, like, um, you mentioned a guy like Oliver Ekman-Larsen. It just feels like that kind of defenseman at that kind of contract, potentially on a decline, who knows? Uh, I agree with you, not giving up someone like Bouchard or... Uh or Broberg might might come down to haunt a haunter game, uh, haunter team at the end.
1: hmm for sure. That's the thing that I, I, I was really worried about too. It, well that contract we've we've been we've been in cap hell for, for a few seasons now on adding and we're just getting out of it. This summer will be the big year of of us getting a bunch of money off the books. Um and adding a guy like Ekman Larson who who, like you said, is on the decline on the wrong side of I believe thirty. Mm-hmm. Um or he's very close to it. Um um he just would would bring all of our problems back onto us to deal with for the next like six or seven years, right? So I don't mm. think that was a move for someone like him is necessarily the smartest. I think you got to rely on your young players coming up to to provide a to provide that spark. And it's, if you you need to trade some of those prospects to get some some some, some supporting players, then you do it. It's mm. also when when a player like Oliver Ekman-Larsson is available.
0: It usually says something about the player and the club that that wants to get rid of him or or offers him up for for a, a trade. Um, something must have gone wrong. They know something that you might not, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So so yeah, I wouldn't do it either. Um, I like Oliver Kjell Larsen. He's a nice guy, and and I've done a few interviews with him. But yeah, you you don't give up someone that has the potential for someone that is the, in in decline already.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I I'm also a huge fan of Oliver Eckman Larson. For years I wanted him on the Oilers. And it seems like the rumors came at just the wrong time for for both the player and the and the team. It just won't fit right now. But if you asked me this question 4 or 5 years ago, I would be completely for it, but around now, the
0: Adam Larson somewhere. trade.
1: <laughs> yeah, like if it was Taylor Hall for Oliver Eckman Larson, I would have been a lot more happier with it, but uh, nowadays, eh, not so much.
2: No, I think everyone would have been more happy with that trade. But oh, yeah, yeah, as as we said, like Arizona has signed Ekman Larson to a huge deal until 2027. So that can be the reason that they want to move on since they've changed front office and everything and they want to do a rebuild. I understand that you want to, don't want to be tied to a captain that will be like, 36 when that deal ends so and i'm just wondering who would want to make that deal at this point i think Arizona's kind of stuck with him
1: yeah i know i know boston and vancouver were, were the other teams i think on that yeah. on that yeah. uh the radar there but uh yeah the, the vancouver would be stupid to do it too they're they also in cap and, yeah but they also have yeah. a young core
0: coming up and you don't want to mess with that either and
1: yeah know. right they they have a they have a good young core coming up and putting larson in there it's just it just ties a lot of things up and doesn't it just eliminates a lot of opportunity to improve your team in other areas when you have an anchor of a contract like that
0: okay you have the you have the uh, mystic ball in your hand and and um i'm putting you a little bit on the spot here which four teams go to the playoffs from from the canadian division
1: oh okay i believe toronto will make the, the cut there. I think they're among one of the best uh, teams in the, in the division this year, as much as it pains me to say that um, Edmonton, I've already stated that. I think they'll make it. I think they got the good, the offense and uh, the defense I think will be just fine. It won't be anything too crazy, but I think it'll be uh, just an average defense. And I think Koskinen can really, if he, if he starts the majority of games can lead this team to a playoff spot. So Toronto Edmonton, then I want to say Calgary and Montreal. I think Montreal will make those play the playoffs. Uh, I'm discrediting Vancouver because they lost a lot this season, um, and I, I don't know how that will affect them. Montreal has added enough that I think they can uh, squeak in above teams like Winnipeg and Vancouver. So, yeah, that's, that's what I want to say. I want to say Toronto, Edmonton. Calgary and Montreal. That's so, my prediction. So the that's battle a for Alberta
0: and the battle for for hockey history in 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 the semifinal matchup.
1: Oh god, that would oh I would have a heart attack if it was that is I so think the stressful. TV ratings
0: would be across the roof, right?
1: <laughs> I think the TV ratings for that would be higher than the Stanley Cup final, honestly. That's so that would be some exciting hockey. Um uh and I'd be scared cuz uh they have a goalie now and uh
0: Uh. (laughs) yeah but it's it's good to talk about hockey we're a few days before christmas when we're recording this world juniors is just around the corner uh we uh we're looking forward to a was it the 13th of january when when it kicks off for real yep i believe so and uh it's, it's hockey and and I know Anton and I have been spoiled living in Europe, so we watch some hockey, but, but NHL is the NHL. So we're yeah, here with,
1: must be, must be nice for you guys. <laughs> yeah,
0: we get to see one or two prospects every now and then it's, it's been a little bit of weird, at least for me, because I haven't been able to, to go to hockey games yet, but, um, yeah, we're, I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, we're here with Preston Hodginson from, uh, Copper and Blue, our sister side in, uh, in SB Nation. Um, Fantastic podcast, uh, Preston. We're, we're really happy to have you. Is there anything you want to add to to what we've been discussing in regards to Edmunds Oilers or any of the other teams?
1: Um, Yeah, no, I'm super excited for the season. Uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, one of the best duos in the league. I'm super excited to see what they do in their next season. Um, keep an eye on guys like Evan Bouchard, Ethan Baer, and uh, uh, EA Nugent Hopkins, too, a guy I didn't even mention in this podcast. Um, he's a fantastic player. He's going to be in Edmonton for a long, long time. Um, and he's going to have a big year too. Why not? I've been saying everyone else is going to have a big year. So is Nugent Hopkins. He's going to pull up, uh, <laughs> he's going to pull up some good points next to McDavid this season. Um, and then I'll give a little plug to myself. If you want to follow me on Twitter at, uh, NHL Hodgkinson, that's N H L H O D G K i n s o n and read some of my stuff over at Copper and Blue. I think I'm a good writer. Maybe I'm not, but you guys be the judge of that. <laughs> that um, was, and yeah, I had a super fun time with you guys. I, I love talking hockey. So yeah. and, and you, obviously you we're rooting Mike for, why,
0: but 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 yeah yeah follow uh, follow Preston on on Twitter. Um, read up on Copper and Blue. I, oh, we have to ask you this: the meltdowns of Copper and Blue on Twitter are legendary. But but oh, but but yeah, really, what know, what, what goes on in follow your group Matt. chat? <laughs>
1: Oh, that's Matt. He loves to be the antagonist, and i I agree with a lot of his stuff he's saying yeah, he's right a lot of the time. I know he rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but hey that gets people uh that gets people talking it gets people discussing the Oilers. it gets people talking to us and reading our names, so he's doing a good job over there, so props to matt
0: yeah um you, you
2: did you did well as well i mean since you said that Montreal will go to the playoffs, you are more than welcome to come back otherwise i yeah, know
1: i will <laughs> for sure, come back anytime you guys want me. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I um, love, and I, I, we'll I do some Montreal. previews for the
0: games coming up. Uh, there will be obviously uh, a couple of games between Edmonton and Montreal this year. And uh, we are looking forward to it because with this uh, realignment, we're going to see a little bit new faces that we might not put uh, in context that much more uh, normally during a season.
1: Yeah, no, I'm super excited for the Canadian. I find the Canadian uh, matchups are the f- most fun matchups of the year. And the fact that we're going to get spoiled with so many is just fantastic. I'm super excited. I-, I love games against Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa. It's just so much fun to play these East teams that you usually um, wouldn't play that much in a, in a regular year.
0: Again, thank you, Preston. Follow Preston. Follow Copper and Blue. Um, we look forward to to reading the comments of this pod when we're previewing uh, the The uh, Edmonton Oilers for Half Size on the Price. you listen to Anton Rossegård and Patrick Bexel. Um, Be kind, take care of each other, get the vaccine when that's out and please stay safe and have a happy holidays.